going out this evening. It wasn't a beautiful afternoon today, and I hope that you're able to get out and uh, just be outside in the sunshine for a little bit, enjoy that. Jessica and I were, and, and we had a good time for, for a bit, and uh, it's nice to have a little rain, too. makes things better, doesn't it? Yeah. Well, I've been looking forward to this time for, I think, about a month. And uh, just as Pastor has said, I did have an opportunity to share some things in devotions to the elder board, and uh, that was a good time. And uh, I'd like to share some of those things and maybe build on that a little bit more this evening as we have time for that. Uh, just to give you a little bit of a background, uh, I have a dear friend in uh, Missouri. We actually served together in Senegal for a lot of years, and... Uh, uh, he sent me a book, and uh, it was a book on uh, some, some of the historical characters of Scripture, and uh, that's kind of what brought this all about in my mind. Uh, this has actually been coming for a while, and uh, I really enjoyed looking at those characters of Scripture, and uh, so that's a little bit of what I'll be sharing from this evening. Uh, I'd like for you to... Uh, turn to the fourth chapter of James, if you would, and uh, we're going to kind of go from there, and uh, before I get started, I would like to pray and ask the Lord's blessing on this time. <clears throat> Dear Lord, we thank you for your word, <clears throat> we thank you for the authority of it, that we can stand upon it, uh, we are reminded in this church over and over of the authority of your scripture is the final and sole authority. <clears throat> so, Lord, we look to it this evening. Uh, we don't want to uh, go into conjecture and, uh, and in that direction. We want to stand on what you have said, Lord, and I pray that you would guide our thoughts this evening as we do that. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I'm going to have you look at uh, James chapter 4 and verse 13. We're going to read a couple of verses there. <clears throat> and it says, Come now, you who say, Today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. And uh, those words there, your life is a mist. I want to kind of use that as a, as a backdrop as we uh, look at the word and look at some things concerning this character of Scripture called Demas. Uh, sometimes I like to just uh, stop and take stock of where I'm at in life. Uh, I've lived a few years. Uh, by God's grace, I've gotten a little bit of experience. The Lord continues to teach me. Uh, but uh, the, other, the other day, I was just thinking about this, and I took my years, and I divided them in half, and took that half and added it on to what I already have. And, you know, uh, that makes for a lot of years, uh, almost 100 years. And uh, have you ever done something like that, taking the years that you have right now and, uh, say, add 25 or 30 years to that? Uh, 
I might kind of change your perspective on things just a little bit. And uh, I like to think about that. You know, there is a certain amount of time that uh, God has given to me and to you. And uh, that is to bring glory to him. And, uh, you know, even if you're a teenager or even younger than that, you know, you had 30 years. That's a significant amount of years of life and all. Well, I live in ex expectation of the Lord's return. Uh, I feel like that it could be at any time. Uh, we look at uh, fulfilled prophecy. We look at the things that are going on in the world, the darkness. Uh, evil is at warp speed as it moves along. And, uh, you know, it's probable or even likely that the Lord will return before we're very much older. We hope for that. We would be very happy with that. Uh, but yet, uh, we remain in this world to be salt and light. Uh, that the time that we have is to be used for God's glory, and uh, we want to see others come to know him as personal Savior. Okay, I want to tell you the, the title of this book that was given to me by my friend. It was called, it's called Finishing Well. And a tremendous book. Uh, just to think about that, uh, I think a lot of us here can remember those that have, that have passed away, uh, that have gone on to be with the Lord, and we look at their life and we say that that was a life that was well spent. That was a life that was for God's glory. They lived it uh, to bring glory to Christ. Uh, they uh, were involved in the body of Christ. They loved others. They served others well. They were a witness for Christ. And, you know, you could go down the list of different things that you saw in their life, and you would say, those people finished well. And uh, when you go to a, a funeral like that, obviously it's, it's not a festive time, but it's a time where your spirits are encouraged, you're lifted up by what you've seen in that person's life because they lived a good life for Christ, lived it well. And so there is a, a sense of sorrow, a sense of loss, uh, of that person going on. We're not going to see him for a while, but we know that we're going to see him again. So uh, the mourning is not as heavy as that of one that doesn't know the Lord. Uh, when you think about uh, finishing well, <clears throat> finishing the life that uh, God has given to us, you need to think in another realm as well, and it's not a, a pleasant one to think about. Uh, think about those that have not finished well, and... Uh, we don't like to do that sometimes. We don't like to think back and remember those that have seemingly started out well and they ran the course for a time, but then they fell away. They fell away to pursue the things of this life and uh, those things didn't include the Lord and his people. And why does this happen? You know, we can come up with a few reasons for this, you know, what happened, why did they go off the rails, why did they uh, just uh, go wrong, you know, and uh, perhaps they just didn't get what they wanted out of 
the Christian life. Maybe that there were, there was something there that they that they yearned for and they didn't get it, and uh, maybe they were treating God by like some sort of divine uh, vending machine or something like that. And that's probably a, a bad example, but uh, their uh, relationship with God was not correct and what they were looking for was wrong. Perhaps they were tired of the, the, of the spiritual battle and uh, maybe there was something that came up that embittered them. Uh, the outcome was not good and uh, they did not deal with that in God's way. They, they dealt it in man's way. Maybe things, material things, became very important to them and their love of Christ just waned away. There can be any of a number of things that would cause a person to uh, get off track and lose their love for the Lord Jesus Christ and stop serving others and the Lord. Uh, I know on occasion, particularly we don't like to think about this, of somebody that has out and out denied the Lord. And uh, we can think of uh, figures in uh, Christendom that uh, seem to be doing very well, and then they went off the rails. And our hearts are broken for that. Uh, it brings us great sadness to see that happen in their life and the dishonor that's brought to the Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, I hope that uh, we don't just write them off. I hope that we don't stop praying for them. Uh, that we remember them, and I have to bring myself back every so often to remember to pray for the repentance of those that this has happened to in their lives and be faithful in that. We need to keep praying because the Lord can and will work. Sometimes it takes quite a while, but we need to be faithful in that regard. I'm going to turn this down just a little bit, Mark, here. So it's right at my nose. Okay. All right. Old Testament scripture gives us a number of examples of uh, those that started out well, they looked really good, and then uh, their life fell into tragedy. I'm just going to give you actually a couple of seconds here just to think. Can you think of an example in the Old Testament, a couple of examples of individuals, and you don't have to tell me, but... Uh, they started out, seemed to start out well, but their lives ended up pretty well in, in uh, tragedy. So I'll let you think for just a minute. That way I don't have to do all the talking. Okay. Well, definitely one example would be King Saul. Okay, his life was one that was an example of a life lived in the flesh. And uh, he had an idea of the way that he wanted to do things. And... Uh, well, he's just a, a really good example of a life lived in the, in the flesh. And uh, the outcome, the end of his life was very, very sad. Uh, another example would be King Solomon. Of course, he was a very good uh, king of Israel, ruled very well. But what happened to him in the end? Remember, he was drawn away by all those wives that were of the nations that were idolatrous. And they led him into idolatry. And in the end, it was, it was tragedy. So what a, what a terrible thing to, to have happen. So 
This evening I'd like to talk about Demas, okay? Uh, he's not somebody that we know a lot about. He's actually only mentioned three times in Scripture. And uh, the first uh, passage of Scripture is in Philemon. If you want to turn there, it's Philemon, verse 23 and verse 24. I'll give you just a, a second to get to that. And uh, the verse says, Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, sends greetings to you, and so do Mark, Aristarchus, Demas, and Luke, my fellow workers. Okay, this individual Demas, okay, we don't have background on uh, he, who he was as far as a child of or anything like that, but he was closely associated with Paul and Luke and others, and he traveled with them. And Paul names him a fellow worker in uh, Philemon. Now that sounds like somebody that's held in, in esteem when you say, he's my fellow worker and someone that was appreciated for the ministry. So as we, as I've mentioned these names, Paul, Luke, and uh, Demas, and others, I think we could call them a band of brothers. They had each other's back and they were together in the ministry, and they were close-knit, okay? And that's, that's how things started out, okay? We don't know a lot, but we know a, a little bit. And uh, I'm just going to continue to make a, a, a backdrop here of what was transpiring, what was going on, uh, to give a little bit of a historical background. Uh, in A.D. 62, Paul was under house arrest, now, no imprisonment, of course, is pleasant. It's not good. You lose your freedom. But it was one that he had some uh, liberty within the house. He could have friends in. He could uh, do things. He could uh, have fellowship. And uh, it wasn't a time of extreme hardship or suffering. And uh, at this time, Demas was with Paul and Mark and Luke. These were men that were of real importance in the early church. And uh, the second mention of Demas is in Colossians 4, 10 through 14, if you want to turn to that. Okay. Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, greets you, and Mark, the cousin of Barnabas, concerning whom you have received instructions. If he comes to you, welcome him. And Jesus, who is called justice, these are the only men of the circumcision among my fellow workers, the kingdom of God, and they have been a comfort to me. Epaphras, who is one of you, a servant of Christ Jesus, greets you, also struggling on your behalf in his prayers that you may stand mature and fully assured in all the will of God. For I bear him witness that he has worked hard for you and for those in Laodicea and in Hierapolis. Luke, the beloved physician, greets you, as does Demas. Okay, so Demas is still in the group. He's still there. Not much said, but he's still, still there. Now, there is a bit of speculation as to what happened to Paul after this time. Uh, when he was released from his first imprisonment, it seems like he 
perhaps could have conducted a, another missionary trip that isn't even recorded in the book of Acts. A lot of speculation on this. I don't want to get into conjecture, uh, but uh, perhaps he stayed there in Rome and encouraged the church there, or perhaps he traveled outside of Rome, maybe Demas even accompanied outside of Rome. Uh, he might have gone to Spain. That was a possibility, and then maybe on even from there. Uh, but those are all speculations, and I don't really want to go there. Uh, now, after this uh, Colossians account, Colossians 4 account, there's only one other mention of Demas. We're going to get there in just a minute, okay? In uh, AD 67 and, or 68, I think it is, uh, Paul was arrested again. But this was a time that led to his martyrdom. And uh, that captivity was a harsh one. He was in a Roman uh, prison. And uh, the suffering there was great, of course. A description of that imprisonment is in uh, 2 Timothy 2, 8 through 10, if you want to turn there. Okay, and we read there... Remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, the offspring of David, as preached in my gospel, for which I am suffering, bound with chains as a criminal. But the word of God is not bound. Therefore, I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they also may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. Now, we hear about Demas for the last time, and that's in 2 Timothy 4, 9 through 10, if you want to turn there. the third and last time. And that says, Do your best to come to me soon, for Demas, in love with this present world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. Crescens has gone to Galatia, Titus to Dalmatia. Okay. All right, Paul, in this, uh, these verses, uh, refers to another person, Crescens, uh, unlike Demas, uh, the reason for him leaving was not mentioned here. Uh, one would like to think that he left on better terms. We don't know, but I, I'm sure he must have. Uh, this other individual, uh, Titus, uh, that's the Titus of the epistle that's bearing that name. And the reason for him going to Dalmatia is not known, but uh, it's very, very likely that that was evangelistic in purpose. And, uh, you know, not everybody that went away from Paul were leaving for bad reasons, okay? They, they left for, for different reasons, okay? So Demas had been part of Paul's inner circle during the time that there was enormous uh, success in preaching the gospel and uh, establishing local churches. Uh, the exact time that Demas deserted Paul isn't noted in scripture, but it probably coincided with his second imprisonment. That seems to be where, where that happened. But uh, the only reason that is given for his departure is that he was in love with this present world. And uh, it also seems reasonable to think that Demas knew that Paul would very likely be executed. And uh, he thought, perhaps maybe this is a good time to leave. And uh, so it says that uh, he went for the comfort and safety of Thessalonica. 
that may have been very appealing to him. And uh, whatever be the reason for him going to Thessalonica, he abandoned Paul in a time when he really needed help. He needed encouragement, and he could have been that to him. So when we think of Demas now, we're not getting positive images in our mind. We're getting negatives, negative memory of him. We remember a person that deserted a friend in his time of greatest need. And he probably deserted the Lord at that time as well. And uh, what a wonderful camaraderie they must have had in the gospel ministry, these, this band of brothers. Uh, you know, Demas had walked, he had talked, he had eaten with, he had sat with, he'd endured difficulty with the others, uh, he had ministered with them, the gospel, with Paul and Mark, Dr. Luke and others, and uh, he had seen miracles. He had seen notable people of Rome come to know Christ as Savior, and he'd seen the actual persecution of believers and seen the faith of the believers. Uh, he had a front row seat to many amazing and wonderful things that were going on as he was part of that band of brothers, yet he fled away from Paul and most likely from the Lord. What a tragedy. I'd like to draw just a little bit of a comparison between the two, between uh, Paul and Demas. Now, it seems like uh, Demas was probably a relatively young man that had been discipled by Paul. Uh, he was not a new disciple. On the other hand, uh, Paul, he was probably 60-ish in age. He'd given his whole life uh, for Christ, except the part before he was converted, of course. Uh, but he gave his whole life for Christ right up until the end of his life. Uh, Demas, he had the opportunity to live a, a passionate life, a self-sacrificing life for Christ, but he failed in that. Okay, Paul continued to grow in his love for Christ, and at the end of his life, he was full of passion just just like he was when he was converted, just like at the beginning. And he was a great example to others of the passion for Christ and self-sacrificial living. Demas, on the other hand, he ran away because, what, he loved this world and he, he left a terrible legacy of, of a Christian. 2 Timothy 4, 6-8 says, For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure has come. I have fought the good faith. I fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. Okay, the question, where did, where did Demas go wrong? He loved, the, loved this world more than he loved Christ. He valued his earthly life more than receiving the crown of life. And uh, in James 1.12, it says, Blessed is a man who remains steadfast under trial, for when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. So why did he go to Thessalonica? 
as I said, Scripture doesn't spell that out for us, but that was a, a very, from my understanding, it was a very large, prosperous city where perhaps he could blend in. He could just kind of disappear, go out of sight. Uh, there was opportunities for material gain there, safety and comfort, and far away from Rome where there was trouble as, as a believer. What a, what a tragedy. There's a key passage of scripture that talks about uh, the love of the world, and it can be all summed up there. First uh, John 2, 15 through 17. Uh, it's likely that some here can even uh, recite this. They know this from memory. I'll read this. First John 2, 15 through 17. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, and pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. What a promise. Lust of the, lust of the flesh, I've, I've listed a couple of simple explanations for this. This is satisfying the physical body to excess, craving what uh, makes us uh, feel good physically, uh, pleasure, pleasure being our God, lust of the eyes, a dissatisfaction with what I have, seeing and craving things that I believe will make me happy, in uh, the uh, pride of life, the desire for power, arrogance regarding what I am and my accomplishments, and uh, these things, these three, three things, they go all the way back to the garden, back when uh, Adam and Eve sinned against God, and uh, uh, those have followed, of course, uh, through with our sin nature. Do we ever love the world? I think if we were honest, we all would, would say that. Yes, we do. There are times that we do love the world. Uh, we live in it. We get enamored to it. And uh, our sinful heart turns to things, uh, makes things idols. We crave for things that displace God in the rightful place that he has in our heart and life. We had an interesting uh, letter that came to us the other day at Source of Light from a student. And uh, he had been uh, confronted with some teaching, a teaching about not loving the world and Genuinely and sincerely, he was, he was quite concerned about this. Uh, the question was, well, you mean I can't love anything in the world? And uh, what a tremendous opportunity it was to be able to teach him a little bit and disciple him in that. But uh, we can go back to the Ten Commandments. Remember Exodus 20, verse 3, you shall have no other gods before me. Well, this is what it centers around, taking things of this life and making them gods, making them idols, putting them before the Lord who has that rightful place. And you know every one of us do that. That happens in our hearts and our lives. We set things uh, before the Lord. And uh, this story of Demas is certainly a warning to us. And I'm going to uh, repeat this uh, verse 15 do not love the world or the things in the world if anyone loves the world the love of the father is not in him 
Well, it kind of brings me to an evaluation of my own heart. Uh, I sincerely want to finish well in this life. I really do. I honestly want, uh, when I take my last breath, to be bringing glory to God. In whatever way that is, whether he takes me out in the rapture or whether I uh, pass this physical life. And uh, I made myself actually a list. I, I wrote this up myself. Some of the things that I see in my own life that creep in that are things that push the Lord out and uh, they become a problem in my life. And these, some of these things are familiar. Maybe you recognize these in your own life, but uh, a lack of hunger for the word and the importance of prayer, a stagnant relationship with the Lord. Uh, in my heart, demanding time for myself, my own goals, my aspirations, what I want, what I want out of life, and lacking a, a servant spirit toward others, wanting to be served instead of serving others. That happens fairly often. Disappointment when I'm called on to serve someone else because it gets in the way of what I want to do. You ever have that happen in your life? A lack of sacrificial giving of time and finances. Indifference toward the needs and sufferings of other believers. Kind of closing my heart off to somebody. Indifference toward the lost around me. We have the message of the gospel, the message of eternal hope. And just being indifferent with that, neglecting to share that with others. And you may think of some other things. I want to finish well in this life, the life that God has given to me. You know, finishing well doesn't mean that we're going to have our names written in, in a church history. I kind of doubt that I'm going to be listed with the, with the Apostle Paul and Spurgeon and uh, Moody and some of these other. I, and, you know, I don't. That really doesn't concern me very much. Uh, have you ever considered, and I've considered this, and it has affected my life considerably, uh, after you're gone, 25 years after you're gone, how many people do you think will remember that you lived? Now, I think that there'll be a handful of people and all, but how many people will even remember that you lived. When people remember that I lived, I want them to remember that I served Christ and glorified him. That's the thing that I want them to remember. That's the important thing. And I, I wish this for you as well. I'm just going to share a couple of favorite uh, scripture verses with you, a couple of passages. Uh, I think we'll close then. These are very uh, well-known to you, but uh, they're ones that are good to retain in your heart and be meditating upon them. Psalms 91.1, He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, My refuge and my fortress, my God, in whom I trust. John 15.4-5, Abide in me, and I in you. As a branch cannot bear fruit by itself, unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. 
For apart from me, you can do nothing. Apart from him, we're not going to finish well. So I'll just leave you with that thought this evening. Uh, let's have a word of prayer, and then we'll, we'll conclude and be dismissed, okay? Lord, thank you for the wonderful examples that you have left uh, in your word for us. We are so privileged to have your word in our hands and our language. Uh, many different uh, versions that we can compare and look at. Uh, we're so fortunate. Others are not that uh, fortunate in the world, Lord. They're happy to just have even maybe a bit of your word in their native language. Thank you that we can go to it, Lord. We can be encouraged. We can grow. We can uh, know more of you, that we can love you more and serve you better. Lord, I pray that you take the things that from your word uh, this evening that have been shared, Lord, that you'd use these in our hearts, Lord, the examples, and uh, I pray, Lord, that you'd draw us near to yourself, that uh, we might uh, serve you better and we continue to look uh, with real expectation, Lord, for the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, you're dismissed.